Hello, this is Norma Sheehan from the Heal Your Hole podcast, asking you to heal my hole for a change. The hole in my pocket. It's just a small one-off payment, no subscriptions, takes 30 seconds to do apparently. So you need to follow the support this show link in the show description. And every payment increases my healing power. So I can continue to tend to your lazy holes, hairy holes, needy holes, itchy holes, money holes, smelly holes, arseholes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to episode number 15 of the Heal Your Hole podcast with myself, Norma Sheehan, where we will look at all the various holes in your life, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, comical, sexual, and we give them all a good seeing too. Last week we did Watering Hole and I uh, got up to Johnny Fox's, the highest pub in Ireland, spoke to my dad about his own watering hole and uh, discussed the pubs reopening in Ireland um, maybe soon, maybe not. Uh, this week we are doing Holy God and um, I might actually need Holy God's help actually because my lovely kids were moaning that they weren't getting a holiday now I mean there was a fear of their holes now like because they've been they've had six months summer holiday from school so I'm back in Wexford um, I'm pretending they're having a holiday they're on my sister's farm shoveling shite basically so uh, it'll keep them honest but I'm parked up here at the side of a road having a chat with you in peace in the car um, so it may sound like a motorway or a runway but we'll get there when I hear the words holy god I always think of a man called Mick Lally because he was um, the lead in a show Glen Rowe that was massive on Irish TV and uh, his quote was well holy god so everyone would say well holy god says Miley holy god um, he'd other ones too, like tall, 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 or house cutting. And I actually did a play with him once. Um, yep, that's an airplane. No, no, it's just a car. Oh yeah, it's a what do you call them? With all the gadgets stuck on the car. Not a joyrider. Anyway. Oh fuck off, would you? You fuck off. Boy Racer, is it? Is that what they're called? <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, holy God, says Miley. Right, well, I actually got to work with McLally, um on a play once, and oh, what a legend. He used to kill me for eating salads. Would you stop eating those salads? As he'd be having a pint of Guinness and a stew or something. I was personally brought up in a lovely holy family and um, didn't do me too much harm. I didn't turn out too bad, but I am not practicing Catholic um, anymore. Uh, my kids go to an educate together school. Um, I got married in a registry office. Um, I suppose my mother saw my faith waning um, years ago, but she always said, you know, now you, you smart ass. I tell you, you've got to believe in something because there's a day when you'll have no one to turn to. And it's lovely to go into a church, peaceful space and talk to God or talk to someone, even if it is going to have a chat and confession or something. And, you know, she's right. You know, sometimes you do need something or someone or believe in something. Um, 
The confessions are actually closed down at the moment. I looked into it. Um, there's a general absolution, it's called, that the Pope is offering. Um, but there was a priest... Oh, there's a tractor. There was a priest in Tala, which is um, in Dublin, and he started doing confessions in the car park and people were doing the two metres apart. But uh, it went viral on Twitter, actually. I think confession originated from back in the day when the uh, the clergy wanted to know what was going on in the village so they'd know everything they'd know everything because everyone would come in and try to get absolution for their sins I don't have any sins so I'm grand my children though do ask me very strange questions about the church because they don't go to mass so the odd time they do end up there they came to my niece's communion and they said what is she eating and I said oh that's Jesus's body they're like oh Jesus Sheena don't be eating Jesus's body um, so they didn't understand the the body, the bread into the whatever, whatever it is. And um, yeah, they were asking about the Angelus as well. It came on at six. It comes on Irish TV at one minute. No, at six o'clock every day. So that's why the six o'clock news is called the 601 news in Ireland. And they were asking me what the words of it was. And I was like, I don't know. I just I know it, but I never knew what I was saying. And I was like, well, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary that she conceived by the Holy Ghost or Spirit or something. And they were like, what does that mean? I was like, oh, um, I suppose uh, Mary made a baby with a fairy or an angel. And then he went on from there and um, the word was made flesh dwelt amongst us. Pray for us, the Holy Mother of God. That we may Anyway, you never forget these things. But at the time, you don't know what you're saying. You're just saying them. And, you know, it's more of a mantra and meditation. It doesn't really make any logical sense that a baby is born with original sin, we'll say. So you have to wash the sin off them. And the sin is that a man and a woman um, had sex to make the child, whereas Jesus was made with a spirit dust. Um, so, yeah, so it was tricky trying to explain and then they asked, why did I baptise them? And I said, oh, well, I just thought it would help you get into schools. But And I, t- I did offer them to go to religion class, but um, they went to gymnastics instead. Two memorable moments I have of being in church as a child were, um, one of them was I was sitting in the pew with myself and my sisters, and we looked out in the aisle, as I'm looking out here at a pew, Joe. I looked out in the aisle and there was um, a knickers lying in the middle of the church. And we laughed our heads off the whole way through until we went up to communion to get our bread, the body. And uh, we realised it was from our house. <laughs> One of us had pulled on our trousers the next morning and the knickers had been stuck in the leg. So when our family walked up to mass, a knickers fell out on the aisle of <laughs> one of the legs of our trousers. <laughs> Another time, I don't know if I told you this one before, but I was made with the reading at Mass and there was first reading, second reading, prayer of the faithful. And my mother would make me do it because, you know, with the old elocution, I'd be good at speaking and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was ploughing through it anyway. Letter from Paul to the Ecclesiasticus. The next thing that I shout, Jesus Christ! This furry thing ran out between my legs and the priest gave me a dirty look. The congregation just stared at me. Yeah, Jack Russell was under the altar and he ran out between my legs and out the door. My cousin after was like, geez, that was a lively reading. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see the dog? No, no one saw the dog except me and my ankles. But uh, I actually went up to a church earlier today and I asked a few um, few of the congregation how they had found COVID and the church is closing down. 
and met some lovely ladies and here's what they had to say. Right, how did you find it all since March? And I'm a fairly regular mask over a Sunday and I probably missed it but I, I fear at this point in time nearly I have I have forgotten about it which is terrible. I know I went online maybe once or twice. It wasn't quite the same. Well, you do miss that regular contact I suppose with the... That's yeah, there's the fear of that because even... Um, for for me going to church sometimes it's the peace and the meeting people and yeah. stuff like that did you miss that side of it as absolutely, well absolutely yeah absolutely and i suppose in terms of not having the be the confirmations or the communions and just those i suppose yeah. and you know easter really missed easter actually yeah yeah because i would have been you know my I suppose traditionally at home um, coming from a, a country background we'd have done my mother would all been on about the tridium which was thursday friday saturday and then you had easter sunday so kind of Easter went by and we had none of that now I might necessarily make all the tritium uh, currently but you know you'd get one or, one or two out of the three anyway yeah and do you think the communions and confirmations will be they'll all be caught up will they will they catch up on them I don't know yeah it's oh, that would be that would yeah. be very sad yeah. for kids. And I suppose it'll be they'll probably catch up on them, but it won't be in the same format as people have been used to. No, yeah. no, I agree. Well, thanks for your opinion. Thanks, Marie. Thank all. you. And here's Catherine. How have uh, you found it? Yeah, I'm not a regular churchgoer. I go sporadically, but I'm currently, as as it happens, staying in my sister's house in Blackrock near the big Guardian Angels Church, and. Um, I know it's been a huge loss to that community because it's a wonderful parish and they have a fabulous parish centre that my sister who was ill got great um, joy and, you know, community, as you said, meeting people there. Yeah. And I, I see that they, people gather sometimes in the car park and listen to uh, music from inside the church now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's very sad. A lot of people have, um, especially some of the older people around there, you know, it was a big part of the community. Yeah, I totally agree because it's the spiritual side of it and the yeah. meeting people. And I totally agree with you about, you know, uh, if I do go to church, it's the peace and the yeah. sort of... Uh, because the, the, ch- the church gets 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 a lot of um, criticism at times, yes, yeah. but you can't knock the community spirit. No, no. Thank you very much, Catherine. Not at all. Oh, they were lovely. And it really is the social element as well as everything else. So I'm going to give someone a call next and I was trying to think who on earth is the closest thing to God in my mind right who do I know that's quite godly and this person came to mind his his name is Michael Barron now hopefully he'll answer the phone Um, I checked there on uh, on his whatsapp to see if he's live you know that we can check if someone has been active recently well he's very active so I spotted that he was active so I'm going to give him a call now if he doesn't answer it means he doesn't like me um, bit of spying um, so we basically I think he is for me the closest human to godly living um, and sorry no but he's not a priest or anything he's he, I don't know if he even goes to mass but it's just this pure kind um, anyway I'll give him a call Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, hello, Mick. How are you? Hi, Norma. Um, come here, Mick. Mick, Mick, by the way, I'm recording this if you don't mind, right? I'm doing a podcast. Okay. Don't say fuck or bugger. Um, so um, if we're doing a podcast. Are you healing your hole? I am. This is Heal Your Hole. And this week I'm doing, well, Holy God, right? And I had to think, okay. I had, I was trying to think of who I could think of is the closest person to God on earth that I could think of, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, I, I mean, every day and every way I'm trying to heal my hole as well. As well, John Lennon, you, say. For, you see, for me, someone who is godly and Jesus-like is someone who literally do- dedicates their lives to making other people's lives better and yet doesn't want a martyr badge for it. And I was just telling the listeners about how, you know, you're no boring balls, but you've literally dedicated every job you've had for the past 10 or 20 years, because we don't want to say you're too old now, um, <laughs> has been like, give us a rundown of your CV there. In, in, really? Yeah, please. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So I suppose, well, well, we've known each other since like the early nineties when you were living in Transkei, right? So, uh, yeah. so trying to think back from then to uh, back to then, yeah, from then to now. What I suppose the main things I was doing that you're talking about, I think, are belong to, which is the LGBT youth organisation where we worked on homophobia and transphobia schools and all of that work and doing marriage policy. And then we got to meet each other again uh, about five years ago. Was that right? God, uh, don't ask me to remember now exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> when we, I was heading up uh, Equate and we were working on uh, freedom of religion in schools and trying to end the baptism barrier. Um, yeah, so I suppose they're the two things you're, you're talking about, really, I'd imagine. And what are you working on now? Well, so at the moment, I am working on the, the Equality Fund, uh, which is the fund that um, will support community organisations working with minorities, so like with travellers in the Roma community, with migrants, the LGBT community. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a new project, which is going really well. Okay, so... Basically, have you ever done anything selfish in your life? <laughs> oh, I'm sitting on the beach at the moment. Uh, uh, yeah, look, I should look. Yeah, of course, loads. So, what I love about you as well is that you started off with belong to, which is the LGBT group. I'm sorry, LGBT LMNOP. I forget all the letters now at this stage. Um, <laughs> so, you you basically got that as far as the yes vote in Ireland, the marriage referendum, and then you kind of just went right. That's uh, that's there now. That's like that can see the finish line. And you moved on and really helped people in schools. You got you got rid of the baptism barrier, this entrance to schools in Ireland where you'd have to be baptised or you'd be put to the back of the queue. And you managed to get rid of that. You and I mean, other people, it wasn't you alone, but but you dedicated yeah. a good few years to that, didn't you? Yeah. So, the, yeah, so the, that's sort of a quake. Yeah. So, I mean, and there was, there was a quake and there was education equality uh, and there was a bunch of people, the Humanist Association, there was loads of organisations working on that for a long time. Um, and I suppose really we got involved in it, or I got involved in it uh, uh, to a large degree because of the treatment of LGBT young people in Irish schools. Um, that was kind of my entry point to it. Um, and then a lot of people that I know who were gay and lesbian who were having kids, they were having problems getting their kids into school because they weren't baptised as Catholic. And then I 
suppose once you kind of start peeling away the layers of the onion and that you kind of get to kind of a core which is what's, what's the story with kind of the setup of Irish schools and health systems and all of that where churches have had such control for such a long time over it and, and in one way that's fine like of course but in another way it does exclude people who aren't of those religions so, yeah. so I suppose we're at, a, we're at a situation still where the Catholic Church maintains about 90% of schools in Ireland and the Protestant Church is about 6% and and they were allowed to not let kids of those religions into their schools. And I suppose the work to remove the baptism barrier means that they're now, they can't do that anymore. So Catholic schools have to let non-Catholic kids in, basically, I suppose. Yeah, the, um, the percentage has to reflect the community. There's so many different people in, in, in Ireland and across the world now that you, you can't just pick and choose. And that's how I got involved with you that time because my kids were in an educate together. And I just, yeah. I, I forgot about the people who were struggling because, you know, in, in an educate together, it's it's all religions and none. So no one is excluded. Religion is an extracurricular after, after school and you sign up if you want to. So no one is feeling excluded at the back of the classroom when religion is going on. So... I really felt strongly to, to, and I know you got rid of the baptism barrier, but what about religion within the schools? Is that still taught throughout the day or is it compartmentalised? Yeah, so uh, we, we also worked on a lot of that actually as well. So, so there's this thing called like the kind of hidden curriculum, such, which is, you know, the, the religious schools are allowed to teach religion at any particular time during the day. Yeah, a lot of policy came out of the Department of Education during our time of doing that work as well, which was to kind of compartmentalise that so that religion should only be taught at certain times of the day. Um, so there was a lot of work done there. And then the Education and Training Board as well, who run a huge amount of secondary schools, and primary schools changed how they taught religion as well, so that they became more of a secular um, schooling system. So, okay. so there is a lot more choice there. But for me, Norma, the big thing really was that uh, in many ways we weren't being anti-religion. We were just trying to get the state to take responsibility uh, yeah. for the teaching of our kids. Because it is a bit mad, isn't it, where you have a, a system where the state pays like almost 100% for all schools and then they subcontract it out to religious groups. Don't have to, yeah, um, that was the weird uh, thing that the st- the state were f- were funding all these ninety five percent of the schools, but they were they were yes the religious um, religion was in control of 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 where they how they taught it when they taught it, and there wasn't anything put in place for a kid of no religion or another religion. There was nothing put in place for them to do during religious time. So as a child, you just feel excluded. You just want to join in that end of story, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And those sort of choices are being put in place now, which is really good. But I mean, we've an awful long way to go. But when you think of how out of sync that the school system is towards the reality of Irish society, like, so I was just looking at last year, over 50% of Irish weddings were were carried out um, in non-religious ceremonies. So they weren't carried out in churches, they were carried out, you know, in registry offices or whatever, other places, whatever. And you still have 96% of schools maintained by religious groups. I mean, that's totally out of sync with the reality, you know. So, And also, one of the polls that we did back then was we found that a quarter of all parents who baptised their child said they wouldn't have to, if they didn't need to do it to get them into school. Well, I I baptised all of mine because I was in Dublin and there's a high demand to get into schools. So I baptised them solely because we weren't going to church at all. We baptised them so they wouldn't be put at the bottom of the list in a number of the schools around Dublin, um, which is not great because that's making a mockery of the the religion really, isn't it? Yeah, I think it doesn't work for anybody, you know. It doesn't work for, I don't think it works for the religion. It doesn't work for, obviously, the parents and the children and society as a whole. So so I do think, I mean, I, I do think, I think a few things happened over the space of a short period of time. So you had the marriage policy referendum um, and you had the repeal the eight referendum and in the middle of it you had the removal of the baptism barrier. And I, I think in the long run the removal of the, removal of the baptism barrier 
even though there wasn't the big same big celebration because there wasn't the referendum. But I think we might see it as being as influential as both of those in the long run because if you think about it, it will mean that it should mean at least that a quarter of people will no longer baptize their children. That kind of changes the face of Irish society and makes it a bit more honest, I think, as well. It definitely does. And now with COVID, you know, a lot of kids couldn't get their confirmation and communion, which is disappointing because it's a build up. It's like it's like the weddings that were cancelled and stuff like that. But, you know, we've all survived without the church. And yet I'm not a Bible basher because I would definitely say, you know, people in small communities or people who just love the spirituality, the peace in, in the building, the, the, the music, the just meeting people, basically. I think that was a big loss in the countryside during COVID. So there is a heart to gathering and it's just sometimes the way it's all put into action isn't uh, isn't the best for everybody and it's, it excludes people, I think. Yeah, and I don't think that's the intention of people who have a religion, right? I mean, I totally agree. You know, I'm sure I grew up in a very religious family and I think, like, I think my grandmother was one of the people I'd most admire in the world who was really very Catholic and very spiritual and we grew up saying the rosary and doing all those things. It was all kind of, kind of like meditation, you know, and time out. And oh, absolutely. Saying, saying the rosary is... is saying the rosary is definitely a meditation so all religions are close once they just it's it's awful when they fight and that's that's the problem isn't it when there's yeah and I, I think in Ireland a lot of it is just to do with the level of power that churches have had isn't it you know what I mean with opening yeah. schools and owning churches and making those big decisions on behalf of all the rest of us which really isn't their role you know I mean that's, I think that's always been the problem not the actual religion it's more the, the power and influence and property and all of that yeah. has always been the piece that's that, well, for me anyway, you're the closest thing to God I could think of when I was trying to decide who I'd give a shout out to. Because you know what? You're a doer. And I can tell you, you're, I know you're on this um, equality thing now and you're, um, you said you're dealing with a travelling community. And um, what, what, what other factors does it incorporate? Yeah, so there's a really strong focus on yeah, the travel and Roma community who have been really badly affected by COVID-19. You know that. I mean, the rates yeah. there are, are, you know, four times the national rate amongst the, the, the Roma community, for instance. Um, also migrants and people from ethnic minority communities, uh, people with disability, and then also the strong focus across all of that with people who are living in poverty as well, you know. Yeah. So I think often we think of equality in terms of identity, but a lot of it's to do with the living conditions and poverty that people are living in as well. Okay. So we're, we're, we're trying to bring all of that together in this moment, yeah. So this is new now, You've and I'm sure I'll talk to you in a couple of years' time and it'll be something else. You'll have got something to a certain level, you'll have um, changed people's lives and you'll move on. But you've, ne- like you've never, you always leave a footprint of, of uh, and you know what, when you were doing that stuff for the schools, I was like, what's your man doing? Because you don't have kids. And I was going, what does he give a hoot about? The amount of things you work on that don't impact you at all. You're just a giver. Oh look, thanks very much for saying that, Norman. But I mean, but it's more. I mean, there's a lot of us at it, and I think it's more of a, a social justice perspective on the world, isn't it? That we've kind of grown up with, and some of it actually does come from. I mentioned my grandmother before, like you know, I mean, she had a very strong social justice kind of outlook. But but it is just around the belief that people should be treated equally, and that our state should be treating people equally. I mean, it's kind of simple as that. I mean, you see a, a level of of discrimination that happens in Ireland and elsewhere. I mean, Black Lives Matter really brought it out. COVID nineteen has really brought it out. You know, I mean, it's hard. To not do something about it, I think. Or yeah. to and and you you gr- you grew up in, bo- in in backward Ireland, like myself, around the same time as a as a gay lad. Like you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd be so angry with you know the treatment you. Well, at least you travelled and stuff. But like, I'm sure that was zero crack when you were trying to come out and stuff. Minus crack, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
as well sometimes because a lot of people who are um, racist or homophobic it all comes from fear like I remember around the time of the yes vote and I was trying to give a, a dig out and even relatives and friends from parts of the country who just they were just like well I don't know what to vote about gay marriage because I don't even know a gay person or I, you know I, 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 I'm confused and and in fairness my kids who had you know friends who were gay or transgender and they were just like they were ringing around going Will you give us the yes there for my friend? You know, it won't affect you, but it'll make their future easier. And I just loved that. I loved the younger generation yeah. kind of going, just do it for us, not for you. Give us, give us, a, give us a dig out. Totally. I think there was that. I think the fear that you mentioned is absolutely true. I think that's the ultimate basis of all discrimination and prejudice. You know, James Baldwin. I can't quote from that. So sorry, <laughs> but it's it was something along the lines of that. He, he thought that the reason why people hate it so much is that if they stopped hating, they'd have to deal with the fear underneath it all. You yeah. know, um, and I think that's totally true. People are so afraid of so much, um, and that's the ultimate basis of, of, of discrimination. And, okay. And, and, like I, I was brought up in a, I was brought up in a, a big city, the second biggest city in Ireland. Uh, Cork is in the city now. Don't be. Oh, you fecker! Cork is Cork is uh, Cork is the centre of the universe, as you know. Um, and I was a bogger from outside the city, but I genuinely thought there were no gay people in Cork. There was only one girl who had black skin, and I knew her family, um, so I was well cool. And um, yeah, they just it just it just didn't exist until I actually moved to to Dublin, like yourself. And so, oh, oh. This is where they're hiding out for safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember we coming to Dublin and not knowing anybody. I knew, kind of knowing, uh, I was about knowing I was gay. I knew I was going to come out. And it was a place called Simon's Place that used to be on George's Street. And the guy there, Simon, who was a gay man, and he was known, I heard, like other students in Trinity or whatever. So I remember I used to go there and have soup and just look at him <laughs> for, for ages, just kind of going, oh, that's what a gay person Wow, like, there's you know, the brave man who, who there's the brave man who... Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go because my podcast, I don't like to let them go on too long because, but thank you for talking to me. Oh my God, I didn't even know whether you'd answer the phone. Um, so, so uh, this is I'm, this. I'm, I'm, I'm following here your whole, by the way. I know we haven't talked about it. Okay. Brilliant. Fair play to you. And I've been listening to your podcast. I listened to your one um, where you interviewed uh, Sway, the Sex Workers Alliance, uh, a little while ago. Yes, about decriminalising sex workers. That was a treat. And I'm going to try and get Kate McGrew on to talk about it uh, even further because she's the activist with uh, uh, the Sex Workers Alliance Ireland. So I'll do that down the line, but not here. So I will talk to you again, my dear, and uh, we'll have a proper chat, not recorded. Go on. Goodbye. I've got idea what I'm going to talk about the next time. Thanks. Such a lovely guy, friend, and you know, we all wanted to have a go off him in college, and of course, we didn't know. We didn't know why. Hi. <laughs> and me, not so much, but I definitely, or maybe I did. I don't know. God, he really had no interest in us. But uh, yeah, great guy. So that's it for today. Next week will be either Brown Hole, which I'm still waiting for uh, rights on, or um, Acupuncture Hole. Um, that's another one we have in the making. Um, it's great to be here at the side of the road just loving it 
I do love Wexford though I do love Wexford even if my kids are well they're happy shoveling shit they're just they're great in a way um, okay please like if you enjoyed the episode please like share tell your friends if you didn't shut your hole and uh, yeah do subscribe that's really helpful for me so subscribe um, or go on healyourhole.com and send your queries there for future episodes and of course if you are from Waterford get your tickets to Heal Your Hole at the Theatre Royal on August 14th and I'm going to get out of here actually because there's a gang coming up and they're looking in the window wondering while I'm why I'm kneeling down talking into a phallic object okay I'm gone hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 